It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. We're in the playoffs. Two games have been played by the Bruins and three games have been played by other teams. That's not really important right now. I'm here with Jeff and Tim. What up? Hey. Uh, and my sleeping dog in the background, who looks at me very sadly right now because I'm not paying attention to her. You know, guys, I know we want to talk about the playoffs, but I want to talk about something that dropped just before the playoffs began. And it really it really made me it made me upset and it made me angry. And, and I'm going to uh, we're just going to talk about it for just a little bit. It's not the emphasis of our episode, but I think it's important to note this. I think it was Tuesday of last week. It might have been Wednesday. But it was just before the playoffs officially began. The NHL PR put out a statement saying that Slava Voinov, former defenseman for the Kings, but they still retain his rights, even though they they got rid of his contract. He's been suspended for the 2019-2020 season. Now, that sounds great on on one level because it's like oh they're acknowledging that he needs to be suspended for unbecoming off-ice conduct or whatever it was you know obviously in 2014 he was uh he served time for beating his wife he served 90 days then he was on probation for three years in russia where he was able to freely play and travel and whatnot but anyway um slavovoinov applied for reinstatement last year after his record was expunged. I think we did talk about this a little bit before. The NHL decided that they were going to investigate the whole thing and see what they wanted to do about his status, whether or not they wanted to reinstate him. So we had thought at some point like, oh, well, the NHL will probably reinstate him or the NHL uh, and at that point, they'll just leave it up to the teams to figure out if anybody will sign him, which is kind of a dirty way of handling it. It's not saying, Oh no, you don't have the ability to play in our league anymore. They're saying, no, you can come back if you can find a team who will sign you. And that's essentially what the NHL just did. They, they just basically said, Oh, well you're suspended for this year. And of course, He's appealing the suspension because the NHLPA is going to allow that to happen. But, you know, it's basically going to come down to the teams. I don't see the Kings saying, hey, uh, let's uh, let's invite him back with uh, open arms. They could, but they probably won't because they got burned by him once. And I just think it's kind of a shitty way to handle the whole thing. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't either. Stay in Russia. Uh, don't come back here, please. Any team that gives him a contract should be shunned. I have to say, this is a really hard thing because I I feel like uh, the NHL allowing him to come back in some respects is really hard for me uh, because domestic abusers don't reform. They just don't. And, uh, you know, he has no real reason to. And, and I, if I remember correctly from Katie Strang's reporting, there have been there is some reporting that he's done, continued to engage in the same behavior in Russia, which it's it's a very different situation there. Well, yeah, there. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. I think to play in the NHL, it's a privilege. It's not a right. 
And by granting him the privilege to, to play by saying, okay, well, you can be reinstatement, uh, reinstated on July 1st, 2020. I, I think that's the wrong message. Um, and I hope the teams do the good, good work the NHL wouldn't do and they don't sign him. I can't imagine a team doing it at this point. I don't care how like bad your defense is to, to take on that. It's literally PR suicide and you're enabling someone. You're just enabling someone who's a shit person Mm -hmm. is what you're doing. Like he should not be allowed to come back to the United States at all. Like I don't want him in this country at all. And just because the, the laws are more relaxed in Russia, he should be in jail there too. Like I don't, the only reason why he's not sitting in a jail cell is because he was an athlete. Like anyone else does what he does and they're not, they're in jail. Yeah. They're, they're like literally anyone else. So I, I, I really, I really dislike it. I really hate that the NHL didn't take a hard stance on it because really it, in instances like this, it's literally the easiest thing to do to create good PR for yourself. Like all you have to do is be do the right thing. Like literally, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Legally, he doesn't have a record here now because he got that expunged. But it doesn't negate the fact that it actually happened. We yeah. know it happened, and and I think it sends the wrong message to your fans to players to everyone that's saying well you know there's not much we can do about it i guess he can come back uh if somebody will sign him so uh i just feel bad Uh, i feel that the nhl didn't stand up for something here and then they also dropped this at a time where no one would be paying attention to it of course they did it's like political it's like political bombshells being dropped at 3 p.m on a friday right I think that people should be upset about it. They should be outraged about it. Now that I've started off the, the show on a complete bummer, why don't we talk about the Bruins Leaf series so far? We've we've seen two games. And we've seen two completely different Bruins teams. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. Let's talk about that first Bruins team we saw in game one on Thursday night. That was no fucking around the worst game this team has played all season. Yeah, we haven't seen that team all year. And I think something there is something to this. I think it was Brad Marchand said after the game that that they took it they didn't take it serious enough. And I think there's something to that. They've owned the Leafs kind of um in in the playoffs a little bit and they the Leafs were kind of reeling at the end of the season a little bit. So I I think there's something to the whole we didn't take it serious enough. I really hope to God he said that to the room, too. That that wasn't just something that he was saying to the press. Yeah, same here. But, it, but yeah, there was definitely something to it. It was all the guys that had time off. Because Coyle played all those games at the end. And who it's had true. a really for good, good game one, despite, you know, not really accomplishing all that much out of it? It was Charlie Coyle. And I told you before that I have a reason for that. Ready? You ready to hear it? I, did, I am. Because he's not on the fucking mild anymore. <laughs> he's playing for something that really matters <laughs> you know that worked for Nita Ryder <laughs> so and then, but it didn't work for Granlund 
He hasn't been that good for the he hasn't been very good for the Prince, but getting free of the mild has done wonders for for Coyle and Nita Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to play that boring brand of hockey. They can actually put some uh, put a little bit of English into their into their uh, play, and maybe maybe Grantland just is a really boring dude and loves that boring hockey. Grantland just had a kid, like the day after he was traded, right? So, you know. Things can get messed up. Not everybody can be Patrice Bergeron. That's all I'm saying about that. Well, plus, he's, he's now having to live in a different state than his wife with his wife and their infant, too, because presumably she's not going to uproot move for a few months with this. You know, they'll deal with it in the summer because he's still under contract for another year. But All right, so he's heartbroken. Or maybe he has the kids somehow. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I was just trying to come up with a reason, but I think that Tim's got something. I immediately thought, like, no, Coyle looks great. It's because he doesn't have to play that boring hockey anymore. Oh, my God, it must feel so good. And, you know, Babcock, before the first game, said something about how, you know, he doesn't see the Bruins fans coming down and and playing, right? He was talking about how the crowd doesn't really factor into it in Boston, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, no, there are three Bruins fans who are playing on the Bruins roster right now. You've got Chris Wagner, you've got Charlie Coyle, and you've got Nolachari. Matt Grizzlick. And Matt Grizzlick. Okay, four. I'm sorry. There are four. Four. I, I know how to count. Four. Okay, so Matt Grizzlick. I'm sorry I forgot about you, Grizz. I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. So you got four. And their head coach, he was a Bruins fan growing up. I saw something like someone last week, or some Leafs media the other day asked him, so were you a Leafs or a Habs fan growing up? I was like, no, I grew up a Bruins fan. He officially got hired, not not the, the interim. He got that tag taken off. He was on Toucher and Rich, and he was so excited to talk about how this is a dream job for him because he was a Bruins fan growing up. They talked to him for like a half hour, I swear to God. It was great. And I was like, oh, man, I, I actually love Bruce Cassidy, even though I, I was a little doubtful. But anyway, my point is this. <laughs> the Bruins have four fans playing and one fan coaching so fuck you babcock <laughs> fuck you babcock is just a general i was gonna say it's like fuck you fuck you you muttering flatlander <laughs> <laughs> so good to have somebody who lives in canada hurl insults at other canadians it's great uh, that first game they looked bad uh that first goal Oh, God. It was like, Chara, get out of the crease. Like, I know he was trying to help Tuca, but he didn't help Tuca. Oh, Chara, more so than anyone, was a disaster in game one. Oh, God. It was hard to watch. It's like, what the fuck? Did he suddenly, like, see a portrait of himself and reminded him that he was 42? I think that Chara probably got too caught up in trying to make up for mistakes. And there were a lot of mistakes. Um, So... You know, Tuca, it, it pinged off the, the one of the crossbars, and it, it rebounded out, and Tuca was trying to figure out where it went, and then Chara got behind him, and then basically he couldn't move into position to take care of that. And that was ugly. It was just really, really ugly. And then the second goal was... <sighs> Remember how I said I worried about shorthanded goals? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because that was a power play, and it was a breakaway, and then it became a penalty shot. Yes, it did. And Tuca... He played that penalty shot really badly. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, since it's a bunch, he's like, he played that penalty shot awful. Now, I will say some of the other goals, I don't blame. I don't blame that first or the third goal on Rask. But that, that penalty shot, he could not have played that worse. No, no. I don't even no. know if Marner had to fake him. I think he just simply went the wrong direction. It also didn't help that that game, the Bruins were pretty much giving up a breakaway like every other minute it seemed like holy cow you can only you can only ask your goalie to bail you out so many times well you know i mean this was the analysis that came out of a lot of it in general it's and i agree it's like ruins went in there deciding okay we're going to try probably this fast mobile strong push into the zone um uh, hockey they basically went in trying to play the play the leaps in game and they don't have the right players for that mm. so it was catastrophic right I, I was frustrated, and I was like, Glenn, why are they giving up so many shorthanded goals? Now, Glenn knows way more about hockey than I do. He grew up playing hockey, all this stuff. And he's like, the, on the power play, they're playing like an umbrella scheme. Um, and instead of putting your defenseman out, uh, you know, out towards the blue line, you know, you have them kind of pushing in too much. So they can't get back in time. And that unit is one is the one defenseman unit, and Krug's the one defenseman, and lug and God love him. When something goes south in this case, he's the worst possible player to have up the top. Up top. <laughs> I think Grizz would be like one of the best players to have in that situation, if by he's I, not as offensively minded to run to drive the bus on that power play. Right, right. No, I'm just saying. Like I think foot speed wise. You know, he or McAvoy are way better for that, but um, they're both not as offensively minded but, as we would like. I mean, that's an interesting thought. If it would, uh, if it would slow down the first unit, obviously, but that first unit still has, you know, perfection line plus DeBrusque. And if you put Krug on the second unit with the two defenseman structure, so Krug and whichever of the two we didn't use on the first one. While keeping the same forward group, so it's that usually Krejci, Heinen, and Coyle. <laughs> it might, turn, might might beef up the second unit enough to get some more scoring out of it, and uh, w- w- without hurting the first unit too much. I don't know. Well, all I'm saying is this: they need to do something a little bit differently to stop giving up these shorthanded efforts. It in the end, it wasn't a shorthanded goal outright, but it became a penalty shot. And poor Jake DeBrusque was just so banged around in that game. And he he was trying his hardest not to, to allow that to happen. But Jake DeBrusque has just been had no respect for his own well-being this game. It, 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 so far, these playoffs in general. Yeah, he, he got roughed up a lot in, in the first game and was out for a, a period of time. And they weren't sure he was going to come back for game two. But he's a hockey player, so of course he was going to come back for game two. But... We're not there yet. We're we're still dissecting game one, which was no fun to watch. Damn it! No, it was it was shit. I think I turned it off after the empty netter. I'm like, well, no point. Fuck this. <laughs> well, it was four to one at that point. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I turned it off after the third goal. I was just like, there's no way I'm watching this right now. It was also a weird day in general, but yeah, that didn't help things. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, okay, yeah, it was 4-1. They've got some sort of history of fixing that problem. But um, it was also only a minute 26 left in the game, so. 
play team didn't, you know, ever look like they were starting to like snap out of it every time they got scored on. They just got worse. Now, in that first game, we did not have David Backus, and we didn't have much of a physical presence at all uh, because they were trying to deal with the speed game. So, coaches decided to come in guns blazing completely different for game two. And I'm so glad they did. So glad. Yes. Uh, David Backus had a good enough game that he was like third star of the night. He like he apparently threw something like a game high seven hits or something. And this is a a game that had um something like eighty three hits in it. <laughs> I fucking loved the physicality because it's like seeing our team get used to wipe the ice the other night. Um, I I I love seeing the hits. Boom, 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 boom. Even like guys like Crazy Imposter were just bulldozing everyone. I loved it. I, I loved it. I was just like, don't get hurt, but... Don't get hurt. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> well, yes, yes. I, that's, you know, this is the first period. I'm like, don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. And it was just, it was amazing. I loved it. I loved it. Boom, 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 boom. And you were hitting Tavares and you knocking Hyman down. And, oh, what a fucker. Well, then there's the thing is Tavares, Marner, and, and Matthews were all so irrelevant. Yep. Yeah. I don't. I noticed Tavares a couple times, but never once Marner or Matthews. I think I saw Matthews on the ice once and noticed him, and he didn't do anything because Tuca was on point last night, and the defense was generally better. And despite the fact that we would go on to lose two defensemen, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And ah uh, man, it was just a completely different game, and it was lovely to watch. And I, if you don't love, if you don't love big hits, this wasn't the game for you. No, and and emotions. <laughs> I don't know why you're watching hockey, because man, the emotions ran high last night. Uh, Jake Brusque, I thought he was going to fucking explode, and uh, he and Kadri had had themselves a time all game. Oh God! I mean, so what's that started with? So this was left over from that um uh, that kind of late hit that uh, Kadri threw at, at, at DeBrusque late in the third period of the um, of game one. Yep. You know, people debated a bit how dirty it was, and like, ah, it's a little late, but probably not suspendable. But it was, but yeah. So what was it? They're halfway through the first when they had their scuffle. Yep. Yeah, so halfway through the first, they get their they they have their little scuffle. It goes they go for matching roughing. Leafs, Leafs Twitter was enraged that the Kadri got one of the got a matching penalty. I was just like, oh. this is good. This last part will be a recurring theme, by the way. I, I I was just like, good. They both went in the box. I have no problem with this. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, basically that. And also, I tweeted this during the game. Kadri's whole thing was. Do something stupid. Bruins retaliate. Then Kadri complains to the refs. That's basically how it goes. Okay. Okay. I have a couple of thoughts on that. One, I pointed out last week in in our episode uh, at the thirty minute fifty second mark. If you care to go back, I said I hope they rough Kadri up just enough to make him do something stupid. Like you don't have to fight him. Just get in his head. Because he is a hot-headed dumbass. Like, twice the high, even worse hot-headed dumbass than Lucic, because Lucic would just play play shitty when he got, when his head caught fire, right? Or, or like, bag a few guys at worst. 
It doesn't take much to send Kadri over to that edge. Over the course of the game, they did. And we'll get to that a little bit later. I feel like it's like, ooh, I'm leaving these little teases out. Oh, you have to keep listening. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway. And then here's another thing. Yes, people are going to complain about the refing. They complained about the refing in the first game. They they complained about the refing in the second game. Everybody's like, oh, my God, that was an interference. And I'm like, if they don't call interference on either side, I don't care. But if you're going to call interference on one side, you better make sure you call it on the other side, too. But if you're not going to call it for either, who fucking cares? Move on. Well, that's, just, that's the thing. is, It was mutually awful officiating. That, um, that call against Pasternak. Oh, the charge, yeah. Why was that called a charge? I mean, I, I would say I would have just given a, a, a pedestrian interference penalty myself. Because a charge usually implies that the, the, it has to be a pretty dirty hit. And if you're penalty penalizing something with charging, you're penalizing, you, you as the ref are penal, giving a penalty that you suspect will result in a suspension. Yeah, even Stripe says that wasn't a good call. Yeah, penalty for sure, not charging. Although it made those Dunkin' Donuts commercials worth it. Oh, I love that Dunkin' Donuts commercial so much. I have no Check your voicemail, Riff. You missed a few calls. Brad should have been the star of that commercial because it, it really is more Brad's style. No, you better make it a medium. I, I only have two minutes this time. He's like, I'm pretty much a regular here. And I'm like, no, Pasta, you're not really a regular in the penalty box. Because, you know, there's a Duncan's in the penalty box, basically. Wow. That's that's the commercial. You can probably find it on YouTube if you care. It's it's so good. It actually seems more like a Brad thing. Because you, can you see Brad just going, Hey, refs! You should check your phones! Missed a few calls! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's definitely I could definitely a Brad thing to say, not a pasta thing to say. Yeah. I could definitely see that. But at the same time, the way pasta says it, I don't know. I just, that's like my favorite commercial just because I feel like it's pasta's just hilarious. I, I don't know. I, I picture just, pasta in the penalty box being more like um, uh, the Saturday Night Live um, uh, Celebrity Jeopardy when they had some, when they had Winona Ryder playing Bjork. <laughs> I imagine it being like that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's awkward. It's a little awkward. It's fine. My favorite commercial with Brad in it, though. Is where Brad is like, it's like pure hockey or hockey monkey. I think it's pure hockey. He's going, he's like, he's working there. And he's just basically like with the customers, he's like, uh, he's like, oh, you want to see if your helmet fits right? Well, and he's just like slapping the guy on the head. With the <laughs> he's doing all the things he would do on the ice to, to agitate someone. I'm surprised they didn't push it as far as having him lick, it, lick the helmet. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a long time ago, but this was before the licking phase. <laughs> But anyway, let's get back to uh, to the game. So, refing is very interesting. This this week, I, I listened to last week's episode of This American Life, which was titled No Fair. The first part of the podcast episode is a reworking of the very first episode of Michael Lewis, the author of Moneyball, Blindside, and many other books that I can't name right now. He has a new podcast, and he's talking about how we don't trust the the people who are supposed to be the arbiters of fairness in our lives. And his first episode was about refereeing in the NBA. Okay. Because his son watches the NBA. So he knows a little bit more about the NBA. Here's the interesting thing. He said the NBA has a system where they actually 
rate and grade the uh, the refs all the time, and they get reports on each game, you know, or how their week was or whatever. They get told about the things that they blew the calls. So that's one takeaway. But the other thing is that he recognized all the players who were always crying for a penalty or saying that the ref got something wrong. And it was almost always stars. He's like, I don't watch that much basketball, but I recognized every player who had a problem with a ref's call. And it was the stars, the stars of the league. So it's your LeBrons and your, I don't know a lot about basketball. Anyway, you got a lot of that last night from the, from the uh, Leafs, you know? John Tavares a few times was like, why is that a penalty? Well, Babcock is the king of that. I mean, he's not he's not actually playing, but he's the king of complaining to the refs. Like he's like he's like seventy percent of the reason why that Bergeron got thrown off of all those face offs last year. Because he just kept complaining and complaining. So the refs took a hard stand on it because he wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. Well, that was game one. That was all game one. How many times was Bergie thrown off the dot? So many times. Yeah, it's absolutely Babcock getting his just fucking desserts for being so goddamn whiny. Like, people talk about how great a coach he is. I don't really think he is. His main talent is being like that. Like, all those Olympic golds, like, yeah, a chimpanzee could have coached one of those Canadian teams to Olympic gold. Fuck that. So, where hockey players are supposed to be trained to be automatons and stuff, hockey coaches, you can have star hockey coaches, for sure. Babcock is in there, right? Well, yeah. I mean, your Babcocks, your Quenneville's, yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's using his advantage. In this analogy to that, that thing I listened to, it's not necessarily the stars of the league, although Sidney Crosby calls for his fair share of penalties. And I don't know if he calls refs out so much because that's really discouraged in the NHL, but he definitely cries a foul a lot. You, your coaches definitely do that in this league, and certain coaches take advantage of that. And Babcock does. And it's true, the refing was bad, but the refing didn't cause Kadri to go, like, try to take someone's head off. Like, that's the stuff that annoys me, especially with, it seems with, like, Toronto fans in general, they feel like the league owes them something every single day. And you're just like, holy shit, shut up. Like, like just assholes when their team was bad. They yeah, were, they were oh, so hapless. <laughs> I, I do want to get into the Kadri thing. We're building up to it, I swear. But I really want to just... I want to mention this one thing. Because this is going to get lost in the shuffle. We really need to talk about that Danton Heinen goal. <laughs> How dirty and beautiful was that? It basically, he took advantage of Nylander's mistake. And and it was in a dirty area. And it was so gorgeous. It was just like... that was a That was a sexy goal. It really was. It's a reminder, all the people that complained about Heinen this year is like, Heinen's a sneaky, sneaky good player. He just had a rough season. I'm going to admit, I don't understand Heinen's game. His game's not easily understandable. And I think the same thing could be said for Krejci's game. Yeah, because they're, they're very subtle, complex games. Right. So, so I'm going to say, I've only been watching hockey for five years, and I don't understand their games. So any criticism I have is probably out of ignorance. Can we just say that? Wow, I've grown as a person and a hockey fan today. I don't know if that's allowed. Growing as a hockey fan? Yeah, I don't think that's allowed. I think it is because I am undergoing a great period of personal growth. So I'm, I, think it, I think it can happen, guys. I think it can. I also don't really consider myself part of hockey Twitter, if that makes you feel any better. Uh, because hockey Twitter is a cesspool. 
filled oh with God, yes. some moments of like bright, cheery stuff, but then it fucking irritates you after a while. So I think I'm growing as a hockey fan. That's what I'm trying to say. And I just wanted to point out that goal because no one's going to talk about that goal. But who's going to talk about it? That's, that's us. Yeah. Because like people otherwise are only going to talk about like the, 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 Marshawn, the Marshawn goal. Because holy crap, that play. That was beautiful. Cinerama pass by Pasternak. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. Everything was beautiful about that. Was that where it was just like, you know, it's like, it's a, uh, it's Bergy to, uh, to Marshy and then Marshy has the shot. I, I can't remember. There, there have been some goals. Pasta, Pasta looks like he's moving in to crash the net. He holds up in the high slot and then does that spin around a pass to a wide open Marshawn who uh, just pops it right behind uh, Ryan Anderson. Right. And, and that's a gorgeous goal too. I mean, that is not easy to do with all of those working parts and stuff. But I just feel like Denton Heinen needed to have that appreciation. He did, especially after he like seriously went back to that. The I have a wide open net. I'm not going to shoot during game one. I mean, like that's even worse than the I have a wide open net and I'm going to miss it and I'm going to miss it for no particular good reason. At point blank rage, a la Casper's Dogovins <laughs> and Brandon Carlo. Dogovins one is particularly painful because that was an over um, because that would have ended an overtime in an overtime win in the Cup Finals. The, the Brandon Carlo one, um, you know, earlier this season was just embarrassing for the poor boy. So can't score on a wide open net. <laughs> yeah, don't don't be Patrick's defense. Oh God, poor guy. So anyway, hey Ed. Oh my God, my boys played two games. Playing playoff games. Holy shit. Oh my god. I, I, I have to pinch myself all the time. I'm not used to it. It seems like early in the game, those defensive shifts are very, very short. And as the game goes on and on and on, they get very long. Like that goal last night against the Bruins was because everybody was fucking tired. They were all just gassed on the ice and they were trying to look for a change and they couldn't get it out. And, you know, and, and the Leafs' only good player besides Anderson last night scored that goal. Part of what Down Goes Brown dubbed the Kadri hat trick. Oh! <laughs> Which is, as Down Goes Brown articulated on his Twitter, was uh, score a goal, take a questionable hit that doesn't get a penalty called, and then do something stupid that's going to get you suspended. He dubs that the Kadri hat trick. Yep, yep. Well, except for that second thing, that that's far too passive, because that jackass, he fakes... Almost every fucking thing. Well, I mean, so. Rodanko's Brown is a, is a Leafs fan, so he's going to play down the part that, you know, Kadri's also a pretty pathetic diver. Yeah. All right, I think we do have to talk about this now. Can't tease it anymore. Okay, so we last left you the Kadri the Chronicles. Um, he and DeBrusk had a tussle in the first, matching roughings. Things continued. The two of them were at each other's throats the entire night. I've never seen Jake DeBrusk look like that. He had like a demonic grin on his face and like, you know, the normal Jake DeBrus smile was gone and there was like this like evil and fire in his eyes. And I, I loved it. Yes. What it was is partly is like all both games. Uh, Babcock was a hard matching of the Kadri line against the Krejci line. How'd that work out for him last night? Not well. So in the, um, uh, the second period, Kadri comes out of the box for uh, some penalty or another. It's crossing the ice and then uh, takes a hit from DeBrusque. It was knee on knee. Was was the was the contact? We'll get circle back to the um, uh, the, the, the implications of that in this particular case. 
And uh, Kadri apparently got like picked up and thrown across the ice by Thanos. <laughs> oh my god! He got more. He got more air than the Wright brothers' first plane on that. Like holy shit! I prefer to think that he collided with DeBrusque. And when you when you watch the replay, and I'm not saying slow it down because slowing it down doesn't help you look at it. When you just watch it again and again and again, you'll see that yep, the principal contact is knee on knee, but that's not what DeBrusque is trying to do. DeBrusque is getting ready to lay a shoulder into him. He's got that left shoulder down. And Kadri lurches his torso out of the line of fire, thereby sticking out his own leg. Yeah. So this is a self-inflicted Thanos carry wound that wasn't a wound. Can we just say that? That was fucking theatrics. Well, it was, it was, so, it was such a dive, such a play act. I mean, he still left the ice, which is like, well, that's, that's a commitment to an extent. But then when he didn't draw a penalty... And um, so he didn't come back for the end rest of the second, but he did come back in the third. And he looked fine. Oh, of course he looked fine. Yeah, he was fine. That was bullshit. And everyone, like, complaining that DeBrusque isn't going to get suspended and he didn't get penalized, always freeze frame it when the contact happens, like, after the knees hit. And I'm just like, that doesn't prove anything. Of course it's going to look like DeBrusque's knee is out as it's hitting another knee. Another thing, like, I, I hate I hate Milbury's color commentary so much, but he was dead on on this. He hemmed and hawed for a while. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that that uh, and then that DeBrusque was trying to go in with the shoulder, and it just didn't work out. And Milbury was awful to listen to. Like, I don't know why people complain about Jack and Brick because Milbury was like, as a Bruins fan, I was finding his Homer and Homerism insufferable. I'll be honest with you, I didn't listen to much. I, I mean, it was on, but I was watching so intently and. I've been watching with my glasses on. I can see things again. <laughs> You're freaking, huh? <laughs> I'm having a hard time with the, the fact that, that uh, my eyesight is getting worse because I'm getting older. So, and I have the glasses. Why am I not wearing them? And I put them on. I'm like, oh my God, I can see. <laughs> Time moves in one direction and it comes from us all. So you just get uh, Seeing that hit, my first thought was, oh God we're going to get called for a penalty, not because I thought that it should happen, but because I know as a Bruins fan, this is what I've come to expect. Honestly, I think it should have been just a penalty, but with not even consideration for it, but, but with no look from uh, department of player safety, it wasn't knee on knee hit. Therefore it was kneeing. It should have been a two minute minor and that should have been the end of it. <laughs> and perhaps and this is where I have some sympathy to the, to, to the Leafs fans. Had it been called as a minor, there's a chance that what happened after wouldn't have. This is true. On the other hand, it involved Kadri. So who the fuck knows? The guy's lunatic. I'm just happy that something I said last week came true. Because as things unfolded in the third, Jeff, you, you've been doing the narrating on this. So, so um, first we have... Um, um, DeBrusque hits uh, Patrick Marlowe near the curved section of the glass. The um, uh, turnbuckle. The term, yeah, the, the, the area that you know had the it was home for the the the, the patchy ready incident. Why it's curved glass now, incidentally. Kadri decided to at this time do something about DeBrusque. Now I should trust that not yet no way an endorsement of him getting uh, endorsement of the concept that he was somehow getting getting revenge for what happened to Marlowe. We'll get back to that. Anyway, so. Kadri comes from way the fuck across the ice with his skate, holding his stick, moves his left hand and slides it down the shafts before lifting it, 
and um, cross-checking an unsuspecting DeBrusque in the face. Yeah, in the face. And then Zdeno Chara, seeing his uh, young player on the ice, not moving, decides to go take care of Kadri. Papa Bear's going to eat himself some fucking Goldilocks. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish that they would have let him unleash, honestly. I will say Chara used great restraint there. Chara did what Kadri couldn't do and restrained himself from going ice because he knew if he if he did something, it, he would he would probably regret it. And also, Ed, as Chara was trying to get in there, Kadri goes in to try to go back into DeBrusque. So then it became Chara trying to pull Kadri off of DeBrusque because DeBrusque is literally just laying there defenseless at this point hasn't moved and Kadri is still going in for more like what the fuck that was scary to me that 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 DeBrusque wasn't moving I'm glad that he got up glad that he looked like he was just like I'm going to fucking kill someone I think Chara could have if he had unleashed everything he could have killed him honestly I mean how much have you had to deal with this piece of shit over I don't know how many seasons now he's he's the the latest generation of, of of Matt Cook or or Randy Jones or 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 or, or, or Elf Samuelson. It's what he's very. what Kadri's trying to become for 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 Boston. Well, let's just say he got my he got a, he got 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 um, uh, five uh, five in a game last night. Yep, he was gone. And um, uh, apparently, he's been invited to an in-person hearing. So uh, we will not be seeing Mr. Kadri again. No, and one thing I don't know. See how this happens. Well, Leafs fans are going to the end of the earth to defend this guy when he literally now two years in a row has put this team in danger of being like eliminated because he's here's the thing he's actually not bad at hockey so him not being on the ice hurts them him being selfish and doing the stupid shit actually hurts the team yet they continue to to defend him when he's directly like He's directly helping the opposing team win at this point. Let's talk about that selfishness for a minute because we need to, to circle back around to that. Let's, let's point out the two incidents, okay? Jake DeBrusque takes Patrick Marlowe, pushes him into the turnbuckle. Patrick Marlowe bounces back up and is fine. I saw that hit. I didn't like that hit, right? Even though... I really want you to grind the, the leaves to dust. I, I didn't like that hit, but I didn't know if it's something that you could penalize him for or whatever. I mean, Jake DeBrusque was like just on fire at that point. He was hitting everything that's got a white sweater on. That happens. And then Kadri comes from across the ice and does the cross check in the face and wants to go back for more. Do not for one minute think that those two incidents were related. In any other way other than Kadri was just like looking for an opportunity, not necessarily doing it because of that. Like, oh, my teammate was was crushed in that uh, in in that hit. I'm going to go teach that guy a lesson. I don't think that was it at all. It was more like, uh, oh, that guy, I've I've had it with him all evening. I, I've been trying to get him kicked out of the game. So why don't I just go take care of him? It was Kadri doing something completely selfish and stupid, just like I thought he would do in game two. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly it. He's a selfish player, and honestly, with the in-person hearing, that means it can be over six games or something like that, five or six games. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. You've got to take a hard-line stance on this. First of all, 
DeBrusque could be concussed. If you saw the his interviews after the game, he just didn't seem like himself. He was described as foggy. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a really good way to describe it. If you want to protect your players from head injuries, you got to take a hard line stance on this and just be like, you know what? This enough's enough. This guy's a repeat offender. It happened last time last year in the playoffs against the same team. Let's just do something about it. Also, the fact that the Leafs didn't make him available for questioning from the media after is insane. DeBrusque was there taking questions on everything. And they didn't make Kadri available, which is the same thing that happened last year. So, like a true bully, he just does something stupid in Turtles. Do you think the refs could have actually done anything to defuse this situation over the course of this game? I think if they were more aggressive with their whistles, things wouldn't necessarily have escalated that far. And we've agreed they were officiating was bad. When they were making calls, they were they, they were bad ones, and usually they just simply weren't making them. So, Yeah, they let them play through a lot of things that should have been called. Yep. I think they let them play through a lot of stuff, and maybe they could have diffused it better. But I think... Like you said last week, you hope that the Bruins do something that really causes Kadri to just blow up and do something stupid. Do something stupid, yeah. He's his own worst enemy, and it was inevitable. Like the way he's been playing the first two games, even leading up to that point, it was inevitable that he was going to do something. Well, it was just a matter of what. And Kadri's essential to Toronto's entire game plan. Basically, give him all of the garbage, shitty minutes and hard matchups, and just and 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 then and use the Matthews and the Tavares lines to feast on you, to feast on opposition. That's that's the Leafs' entire game plan. And without Kadri, you can't do that because now Tavares is going to have to be taking those a bunch of those defensive shifts. <laughs> it's no coincidence that the Leafs started playing better in that series last year when he got back. I can't wait for the pre-game wank fest that they're going to have for uh, John Tavares. Oh my god, yeah, because Johnny got hit last game. It it's ridiculous, and like I said, them defending this guy like to the death is like absolutely just asinine, and saying the that like DeBrus deserved it and all of this shit like really no one deserves that like that's like one thing that people don't seem to realize is no one deserves that and if the skate was on the other foot and Marshan had done that to one of their players they would want him kicked out of the league for good like they this is the same fan base that wanted him arrested for sexual assault for licking someone <laughs> And now they're defending this, which is literally, like, quite literally assault with a weapon, a deadly weapon. Like, he, that stick can kill someone. Well, there's just it. Sure, it didn't, you know, almost kill a guy, but this is like, this is what this is comparable to is fucking Todd Bertuzzi or, or Marty McSorley. Yes. Goons. Goonery. And another thing I saw, too, because I remember as soon as it happened, saying a, a lot of Bruins fans saying, well, Kadri's not going to be back for game three, that's for sure. And a lot of people, I saw a lot of Leafs fans saying, well, neither is Krug. And I was like, oh, like, really? We're, we're celebrating concussions now? That's what we're resorting to? Like, come on. Also, Sean Avery coming into this and being like, it wasn't a bet. The only thing that was wrong with the hit is that DeBrus didn't get his teeth knocked out or something like that. What? And the Leafs fans are like, yeah, 
He's he's right. Sean Avery like is you right. Guys, you, you guys are, are gonna yeah. It's like who in their right mind would want uh, Sean Avery uh, agreeing with you all about any topic, let alone touting his agreement? Does anybody listen to Sean Avery about anything anymore? Apparently, Leafs fans yesterday. Yeah, I I can't think of anybody who's any more irrelevant in any aspect of life than Sean Avery, to be honest. So, um, uh, Tim sort of alluded to uh, some of the things that started happening um, along the way as well. Yep, we definitely need to talk about Krug and, and Clifton. So, Tori Krug took this um, brutal high-speed hit from uh, from Jake Muzzin. Yep. He was about, what, five, six feet away from the boards, probably? Yep. And the impact flung him, knocked his bucket off, and slammed the back of his head into the boards before he crumpled to the ice. Oh, my God. Oh. He tried to stand up and fell down again before being taken off, let off, helped off the ice by trainers. Not before he started yelling at somebody. Yeah, he was angry. Yep, I don't blame him because that fucking hurt. And yeah, hitting think, the back think, of his head, at least it was on the boards, not the ice. Like, he lost his bucket and landed on the ice. I mean, maybe talking more about, oh, God, we're going to miss some games with crew. We'd be talking, like, did the skull get cracked or something? Yeah, we wouldn't be yeah, worrying think- about the games we were missing. For sure. I think we'd be seeing blood on the ice at that point, because that's how hard he was hit. Oh, God. I hated to see that. I really did. And, like, you can't even necessarily be mad. It's like, okay, that wasn't, um... It wasn't the cleanest hit, but it was definitely... But it was no penalty. <laughs> no. It was... And Krug was facing him, and his... I mean, I don't want to say his head was done, but, like, yeah, this was... This was just shit draw. We'll do something... We'll wear his chin strap tighter going forward, and maybe? I don't know. Chara where it's dangling like six inches below his chin, but uh, <laughs> Muzzin has just got so much size on him that he was not going to win that battle of being hit at all. So I, I hated seeing that. Uh, what was that? That was like the end of the first or something, mm, early in the second. I thought, oh, okay, well, yeah, early in the second, yeah. So we were down to five defensemen, which was not easy, but and then Clifton left early in the third under. Out- Never really clear circumstances. Yeah, he got hit by Kadri, I believe. Like it was, a, it was obviously a big collision, but it didn't look bad, and he didn't look hurt initially. Like he skated, he looked like he was fine. Then all of a sudden, like he didn't return, and he went down to the tunnel, went down the tunnel. So I mean, I don't know. They they haven't really said much about him specifically. Ah, uh, yeah, I I didn't see anything that was obvious. I think that. He probably, when he got hit, it was just the angle that he got hit, and something didn't feel right. Yeah. I can't point to what it would be. You get hit at oblique angles, which is basically what he got hit at, I think, and your body just tries to conform to that, and it it can't always. So uh, that's basically what happened. Just something that happens in the course of a hockey game. But it hurt because we were done four defensemen. But we still won four to one anyway. See, that's the other thing that I, that I don't see why Toronto fans, media, what have you, are defending Nazim Kadri. Because when that happened, the Bruins were down two defensemen. There were six minutes left in the game, and they had just scored a goal to come within two. That game was easily well within their grasp. And instead, they went on the five-minute five minute major, during which um, Bergeron scored a goal, of course. Of course. He's got two goals in these playoffs. He does. I was glad to get that extra goal. Yeah. It was the very least that we could have gotten 
from all of that malarkey. I had a nice bookend for how mirror image these two games were. Because both games ended 4-1. They did. Yes, yes, I, I noticed that too. The perfect bookend would be the Bruins winning the series 4-1 now. Oh my god, I think that like there'd be mass suicide. Wow. Hockey gods, like with all the injuries, with this cadre shit, like come on. That would be something else. I don't, uh, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, speaking of um, uh, surprising wins and stuff, I guess. Well, no, so for starters, no, back up. So, okay, so game three tomorrow, and we don't know who's going to play. Uh, yeah. Jake DeBrus could be out? Um, Jake DeBrus could be out, as could Krug, as could Clifton. All of them are traveling with the team, which I'm a little surprised about in the case of Krug, but okay, I'll take it. Yep. Borrell's called up from the NHL, and apparently Paul Carey already was up. This was not news. This was news to me. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Johansson, of course, who missed yesterday game two with an illness, uh, with an illness, is not traveling with the team because apparently the, cast, the team wants him nowhere near the near his teammates right now. You keep that shit at home. You do not bring that into the room. So if he, depending on how he's doing tomorrow, he may catch up with them, but he's not traveling on the same. Importantly, here he's not traveling on the same plane as his teammate. I bet you that Marcus Johansson's really glad that John Tortorella is not his coach right now. Probably, yeah. Yep. And uh, I guess lastly, the other news is that Moore and Corrali both skated. Um, I guess Moore was out of his, um, uh, was in a regular jersey now. Good. Um, Corrali, I don't, he just said he skated. I don't know anything more. He's holding the stick. Oh. As of Ooh. this past week, he's holding a stick. On Friday, they announced he's skating at practice and holding a stick. So this is good because he broke his hand. So he needs to hold the stick. So anyway, hopefully one of the um, uh, defensemen that got injured yesterday are able to play. Or more is better because I'm kind of scared of a third pairing, that uh, a third playoff third pairing of Zaboral Kampfer. Oh, God. Yeah. Either way, what this team desperately needs is a uh, Corrali to be back because, like, I just, I just want that fourth line back. Oh I want, I want, I want Nordstrom gone. Oh my god, I miss Sean Corrali so much. It hurts. Please, Sean Corrali, come back. We're sick of watching Joachim Nordstrom. Just, just no more Joachim Nordstrom, please. He's really a joke of a player at this point. Uh, Tim, you must be Joachim. <laughs> Sean Corrali just isn't walking. He isn't just, just isn't joking through that door. Uh, mm. <laughs> oh, I miss John Corrali. He's the heart of that line. Wagner's the determination. Achari's the the bulldozer, the wrecking ball. And you've got Sean Corrali, who's just the heart of that that line. Come on, come back, please come back. Yeah, <sighs> I miss him. I want to wear your jersey. Getting Corrali back, too, makes it really hard for Babchuk, Babcock to play the uh, the matchup game in game three and four, potentially, too, right? Because he has home ice. Did you almost call him Babchuck? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just call him Babweenie? <laughs> Bab penis? <laughs> Babweenie? Oh, I'm sorry. Bab Schlong? No, no, we don't want that one. 
<laughs> no, that one, that one doesn't fit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bad dick. Bad dick. <laughs> there bad you dick. go. Because he's a dick. Yeah, bad dick. Um, <laughs> if we got Corrali back, it would make interesting how he plays the matchup game. A without Kadri and B having four lines that can take on most opposition. So anyway, Corrali come back. It'll make this game. It'll make this happen sooner, hopefully. So, so yeah, we're waiting to see what happens with lineup stuff for tomorrow. Yep. So fun. Please no shot. Please no Paul Carey. That would be bad. Oh. Yeah. To say I, I don't hate. Paul Carey. I just like no business on an NHL roster. Let's just leave it there. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. Yep. You know, anyway, they'd be like up there with having to dress Trent Whitfield in the 2010 um, uh, semis against Philly. Mm. Oh yeah, he's a cursed player. He's the only player to be on two different teams that went up three three zero in a series and then lost. He did it. In, he did it with, with Providence some years later. Well, it's because he's bad luck. We all know that now. He's Pete Bruin's coach, or assistant coach. Oh, God. God help us. So they're going to lose to he, Charlotte in the first round. Trent Whitfield <laughs> is Pete Bruin's Pandolfo. Oh. Someone said his name three times and he never left. Oh, man. You know what I want to talk about right now? What? I want to talk about a little bit of something else that's going on in these playoffs, because the playoffs right now are pretty fucking weird. Let's talk about the marquee matchup that no one thought would be a marquee matchup of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Holy goddamn fuck. I can't believe that the the Blue Jackets came back in that first game. I watched the first game and I was like, no way. My husband went downstairs and was doing something because he's like, oh, this game's over, right? Because Tampa Bay was up 3-0 at some point. And then... The Blue Jackets came back and scored four unanswered goals, and it was fantastic. Even my boy and, Seth Jones, he got he got on the scoreboard. It was great. And then they did what? They put up a touchdown on them on uh, on on Friday as well. Like they've just been like kicking. They've just been destroying them. Oh, I love it. Love it. No, no, sorry. Five one on on Friday's game. So they've scored nine of the last. Columbus has scored nine of the last ten goals in that series. It was uh, a field goal and a safety they scored on him. Yes. <laughs> it was fan- it's fantastic. I love it. I love it. I cannot wait. I'm going to watch that game tonight. And now they're going back to Columbus with a two with a two zero lead for Columbus. And Tampa will not be will not have has Kucherov suspended for a game Woo-hoo. and won't have Hedman tonight. Because <laughs> Which is no surprise. Hedman's apparently been playing just hot garbage this series. Well, he's he came back a little bit early from injury because playoffs. So, say Tampa Bay somehow comes out of it. That's at least six games now, which is absolutely amazing. That's what we wanted. Yeah, we were That's hoping best case they force six games out of them, right? But so if they all- if they knock him out in four games, I'll be just as happy. I think so. I mean, and like. Based on those couple of Columbus games the last few weeks of the season, getting ahead of myself here, but if Boston wins out of the series and meet them, were to meet Columbus in the second round, those would be some chaotic, high-scoring, one way or the other games. I would enjoy watching that series a lot more than I would Boston-Tampa, though. I'll be honest. Here's the thing, right? Because um, 
Well, what, what Columbus is doing to Tampa looks a lot like what Boston did last night to, to, to the Leafs. Yep. They brought just this strong, heavy, hit-everything-in-sight forecheck against a speed-skill team, and they're completely collapsing under the pressure I'm and not. getting stupid. Hi, Nikita Kucherov. Hi, Nazem Kadri. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And even, like, Cooper saying, like, this is the first time, for first for first um, uh, adversity this team's faced all year. It's like, yeah, that's some, that's bad, dude. Yeah, you have to figure out how to deal with it, dude. Or don't. Don't deal with it. Just go out of the playoffs. I'm fine with that. Think about how insane that would be, though. They're only the second team ever to get 62 wins in a season. And if they get get, get um, uh, swept out in the first round. Also, and not only that, both teams that won 62 would have not won the cup. This is true because the, the Detroit won that 62 the season before they uh, they went on their back-to-back run. And interestingly, another thing that, depending on if Boston keeps this up and if Columbus keeps mm-hmm. this up, you have two crash and bang play, teams playing a crash and bang game, crushing these the, the so-called new NHL teams, mm-hmm. speed and skill teams. Basically, what I'm kind of feeling is like, well, no, we never got that. that the physicality and crash and bang never stopped being the, the uh, test. It was just having to utilize it differently. Mm-hmm. Austin and Columbus are both fairly fast and small and not particularly big teams that hit everything in sight. Yep. That's different than the big bad Bruins thing. It is. Yeah. You don't need to be big to throw harsh hits if you're, go- if you're flying down the ice. You just need to play big. Yeah. You need to be Tori Krug. And Brad Marchand, two guys who have always played so much larger than they are. Nolachari is only 5'10". Exactly. They're both only three apples high. But they play, you know, like like your standard 6'2 hulking third-pairing defenseman in terms of how they hit people. <laughs> Except faster. All right. The Islanders have gone up three games to zero on the Penguins because they won this this today's matinee. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Like, you look at momentum coming into the playoffs – Isles had none, and Pittsburgh had a ton. Yeah. Now this is happening. The Isles couldn't win a game if you spotted them like two goals. In the last like month of the season, yeah. yeah. yeah they were terrible. They were the top ga- team, and then they they slid down. The other thing that makes this so great is if the Bruins do beat. Toronto in the first round, and the Isles move on to the second round. The biggest. Both middle fingers to John Tavares in the world, which is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Oh, it's wonderful. You know, I used to like John Tavares a lot, but after the the bullshit of the uh, the whole courting process, um, I felt like he was a fake and a phony. I don't blame Islanders fans for hating him, and I can't I can't fucking stand him anymore. I hate how much pageantry free agency is going to have now after this bullshit. Yep. Because like you look at the list of free age of UFAs this year, like this is going to be a we an insane July first. Oh yeah. Oh, like absolutely nuts July first. I'm kind of pleased that the Bruins are probably going to sit the whole the whole are most likely going to sit the whole affair out, mostly because you know Sweeney's got to sign his RFAs. Well, he's also yeah, just he's got a four record with UFAs, um, unless they happen to be named um, uh, Riley Nash, Tim Schaller, or uh, Chris Wagner. And he's got one of them already, so... She does. Oh, boy. With that track record, not necessarily 
just because of that track record. But that coupled with wanting to keep a lot of our own guys, I'm okay with them sitting out the whole pageantry. I really am. But that is an insane UFA class, probably one of the best we've ever seen, and it's a relatively young one. With a lot of guys there, 26, 27, 28. But, yeah, it's going to be wild, you know, with with Panarin and Bobrovsky and Carlson and Pavelski and Hayes and Duchesne. And, um, oh, there's a bunch of others, too. It's insane. I was looking at the list yesterday. <laughs> like, even, like, there's, like, a good, there's even, like, fairly big-name depth guys way down that are going to be available, like Brett Connolly, who's probably actually going to get a decent uh, payday now after having a pretty good season. But keep in mind, everybody's going to get overpaid. Oh, for sure. It's free agency. That's how it goes. Oh, yeah. Right. So you can sit that out. And remember, Mark Stone is already locked up, so there's no more fun there. And when we signed Backus, that was supposedly a really fantastic UFA class, and almost every single one of those co- the big contracts handed out that day: Backus, Erickson, Lucic, Akposo, Lad. With like the singular exception of Akposo, and it's, that's not great either. Those were all catastrophic contracts to the letter. <laughs> yeah, those were bad. And that was a supposedly good class. <laughs> all right, so the the other surprising series that I've not really paid any attention to at all because I can't always find the games on the various NBC networks and I'm not really particularly interested in this one. Let's just be honest. The blues have a two game lead on the jets, which I'm surprised by. I'm not. The jets weren't that good this year. Their underlyings were shit. Hellebuck hasn't been very good. Line A's having a bit of a recession year. And the Blues came in with came in with all of the big dick energy after the uh, after the whole Bennington run, right? Not the big bad dick energy. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like the Blues are not real. I don't think they're real either. But I'm not. But, but I had them in both my brackets for, to beat Winnipeg. I did not. All my brackets are all going to be terrible, and that's well, fine. I mean, I've seen to recall someone. Possibly me putting the Canes, making it losing in the cup final out of the East on my bot one. Basically, my idea was that whoever comes out of the Atlantic is going to be ground to dust and lose easily to whoever I have making it to the to, to, to the to the to the ECF from the from from the from the Metro, and somehow it ended up being the Canes. I'm like, well, here we are. Okay, ah, it's all in good fun. <laughs> but yeah, all of my brackets are terrible. I love it. I love all of them. They all have three different winners. And they're all going to suck, and it's going to be fantastic. Well, I got at least two, if not like three series. I got at least three series in the East that are going to—they're not going my way. Yep, yep. Neither do I, and it's fine because I'm actually—I couldn't be happier with the result, really. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. Sharks, Golden Knights—they're tied one-one. They're playing tonight. I'm not really surprised by that. The Knights okay. just got Russian Wonderkind and Nikita Gusev to sign today. Oh my god, it's Wunderkind. Oh, sorry. Wonderkind. I mean, if you said Wonderkind, I would have been okay, but Wunderkind. This is after last week you dropped the knowledge that Dachshund means badger dog. <laughs> and then you come at me with Wonderkind. Oh, Jeff. The point I scored you last week, I have to take it away. It's a little late to call something back on review. Well, I forgot to tell you I gave you a point, but I'm going to have to take it away now. Same. <laughs> it's Wunderkind. 
or at the very worst, Wonderkin. But never, ever, ever say Schadenfreude. It's Schadenfreude. Come on, people. I'm good with that one. Okay, that's good. That's fine. I'm glad. I hope that I helped you in that way. Credit to that one goes to me. James James Spader on Boston Legal. Me. I learned to properly pronounce that word. Me. (laughs) You don't look like James Spader. I don't. I just want some credit for something. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, Big Jim Murray always says Schadenfreude. So does Adam Pacman Jones, and I just want them, not Pacman, a- Adam Jones, and I, I want them both to die in a fire when they do that. It just hurts. It hurts my ears. It hurts my soul. Please don't ever, ever do that ever, ever again. Uh, by the way, did you see that thing I retweeted where it was like, um, it was uh, some guy, maybe Matt Dolloff, pretending to be Felger, Naz, and Big Jim Murray while talking about the Bruins game last night. I think yes, that was hilarious. Oh my god, it was <laughs> it was so real. I mean, it's really how it's going to be. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> uh, but anyway, okay. And the Preds, I, I'm not really watching that series. I, I watched the first game. I saw my boys score the first game in the series, and then I promptly given no fucks about it. So there we go. I'm sure there are other things. Oh, Carolina, Washington, whatever. I don't care. Carolina. Yeah. It's, uh, it hasn't gone well, gone well for them. Um, and then like, look, uh, Preds Dallas is one, one. And so is Calgary. Um, uh, abs. Oh my God. I forgot yep. about Calgary and the abs. <laughs> and that's a series. <laughs> I mean, series you could definitely watch. <laughs> Mike Smith was excellent game one for Calgary. Like he was really good in that. And then, and then uh, the yeah, second game went to overtime. Yeah, it was overtime. I think it was McKinnon that got the goal in overtime. All right. Perhaps we should tell people what the games are for this week because there are definitely we're definitely in a uh in a five game situation and maybe Yeah. So, um, with the series tied 1-1, of course, there is at least five games, which means there are three games this week, starting with Game 3 on tomorrow. That would be April 15th, Monday, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Time at whatever they're calling. Maybe they're calling Toronto's stadium right now. Or right now. Is that Rogers Arena? I can't keep up. It is the Rogers Scotiabank Saddle Dome Canadian Tire Air Canada Centre. Thank you. Anyway, in Toronto... Sure, you'll be able to find it. It's where there'll be lots of sad people wearing blue and white. Hopefully, sad people. Yes, sad people. I love sad people in Toronto. They're my favorite kind. Exactly. So, followed up, of course, with Game Four at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, the 17th. I'm rather excited. No Tuesday game. Tuesdays tend. Although oh, they don't have trivia this week, but anyway. It's a Wednesday game. Woohoo! And not a Thursday game, so I can actually watch my Thursday night sitcoms. Right. And then, yeah, and then game five um, uh, at TD Garden, April 19th. That's a Friday, a Friday game. How about that? I'm stunned. I have some, I have plans now on Friday night to watch the game. I know, right? <laughs> and, then, and then lastly, just because it will be recorded the same day we're going to record the next show, um, game six, if there's a game six, which odd statistic, odds on, yeah, there'll be a game six, is, uh, is uh, next Sunday, April 21st. Um, time TBD because of course there's no guarantee there's a game. I should say the Friday night game doesn't have a team a time yet either according to the Bruins website, which is interesting because we know that game five is happening. 
Yeah, they're just getting lazy. It's got to be 7 p.m. Almost certainly. Um, oh, I got to say that 8 p.m. start. I mean, I don't like the late start, but like the crowd last uh, yesterday's game was just nuts because, as uh, Ty Anderson pointed out, it's like the uh, uh, on his recaps, like the, the team is already a bit gibbled because they had an extra hour to get to get going before the game. And I don't think you can discount this, but the banner captain. It was Gronk. It was Rob freaking Gronkowski. God, we need to hire him full time to come and do that. First of all, because, you know, it, it was spectacular. And I also asked my husband, I said, if Gronk, if you were right there with Gronk and he hit you in the head with that, that flag because of the way he was wa waving it so, so uh, violently and um, wonderfully, would you get mad at him? Um, no, there's no way you could get mad at him for hitting you in the head with that banner. No. Um, no, 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 not really. No, no. Um, no. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, more games. See where it goes. All right. I'm thinking it's going to be a six-game series one way or the other, I think. I'm hoping we can end it in five. Oh, that'd be swell. That that'd would be, be lovely. Swell. I'm not making any more predictions. I'm just going to... Because I'm already getting a little giddy about the idea of a Boston-Columbus second round because that would be a, probably be a really fun series. You know what? Don't even don't even listen to the commentary. Just take um, Miley Cyrus's wrecking ball and every permutation of it, and just play it during the game. <laughs> Could yeah. You, yeah, yeah. It's like your own version of Dark Side of the Moon, except wrecking ball to a hockey game. <laughs> you can get yeah. high if you want to. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I think we should wrap things up. I want to thank everyone for your response to the NHL Bracket Challenge we've done for Barely on Topic. This year, we have an all-time high of 18 participants. Wow. Including lots of our friends and Mark Allred and people who listen, who communicate on Facebook. And it's been amazing. Like... I can't name everybody right now. I don't know everybody's bracket name because a lot of us change things. But I think you can figure out which one's mine because it uh, involves Brandon Carlo. Brand Brando Carl Racine's playing in the playoffs, even though I didn't pick the Bruins to win in that bracket. But it doesn't matter. I'm still excited. I didn't name my bracket, so it came out as Jeff Point One. <laughs> At least it was I, I named mine, but I forgot what I named it. <laughs> it might have had something to do with Charlie Coyle I'm not going to lie Alright let me see if I can find this real quick Oh hey this right here Okay so I'm going to look at this 18 entries I can't believe it it's amazing Save your coil Yeah okay That there must be you That must be you. Um, I, I think that uh, Sister's uh, um, Entry is Dougie Hamilton rules <laughs> just, uh, just she just try and troll, Brent, troll Ben then, huh? I don't even think that Ben did one for ours, but uh, she was definitely trolling. Uh, well, if she wasn't trolling her brother, she was definitely trolling me. <laughs> did she have Carolina winning it all? Because that would be the ultimate. <laughs> no, no, it's she's got Winnipeg. Also, okay. I gotta say, I gotta really applaud uh, the boldness of all of you people for how many of you picked the Bruins to win the cup. 
I can never bring myself to do anything of the sort on one of these. It feels like I'm jinxing it all. So uh, I did it last year, and I felt like I jinxed. I did it this year, and you know what? I'm okay with it. And you know what? And and if you guys are right, that means you're all good luck. Exactly. It's true. But three of us all know better. So. Well, two of us know better. Oh. Because um, we know we're um, bad luck. So oh, yeah. Tim's, uh, Tim's all kinds of fired up. Okay, fair enough. That's just you and me. That they're like, nope, can't do it. Hey, if we know that we're bad luck, then we don't. We do things to to make sure that we're not bad luck. Exactly. All right, I think we can wrap up the show then. I can just sit back and. Okay. Listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. You can hear us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you like us, rate us some stars, write a review, tell all your friends. We're worth it. Hey, tell us if we're on Spotify, because that's a new thing, I guess. Well, yeah, come across us somewhere else. That'd be rad. Um, Yeah. um, And uh, so if you want to reach out to us, of course, we're uh, at Barely on Topic on uh, Twitter. And on Facebook, we are at Barely on Topic Podcast. And, of course, you can always follow our individual Twitter accounts, if that's what you so wish. I, of course, am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I'm at, I hope, Nazem Kadri gets 10 games.com. Also known as at EA from RI. Timothy. Coil rules! <laughs>